Hey everyone, it's Amy Logan, your host for Lone Tutor Crusader, and I'm coming at you the day after Christmas for myself and my family. I hope everyone had a really good holiday、um, during this unfortunate pandemic holiday break. It was really weird because it was just my husband and myself, and usually. Um, we see our our kids during this time, so we were able to see my kids、um, Christmas, Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. Then they went to see their dad, and my husband's son, who is my bonus son,、um, went to see his girlfriend's, I think, family. So it was like really weird. So for Christmas Day, it was just my husband and I. So. We decided we were not getting out of our pajamas and proceeded to watch movies all day. And we tried to make the best of it, but I think we we both went to bed last night just going, "Wow, this is it's just so weird. It just wasn't wasn't the Christmas that we're used to having." So let's just hope that in this new year, better things are coming, and we're going to be able. To be with our family members、um, sooner rather than later, which would be a wonderful thing. So, I think I am going to launch right into this. But I did have a thank you that I need to throw out there. I want to do、um, huge thank you to Remote Takes Podcast.、Um, this is Tony and Jeremy. And they、uh, critique movies and video games. They went out of their way—I mean, so out of their way—last、uh, week to help me out with what could make this podcast better、uh, for my listeners out there. And of course, that's what every host is trying to do. We're trying to make this better. We want to make it smoother, sound everything. We're always out there. To make whoever is listening to us,、um, who we appreciate, because we aren't who we are without you listeners, to make it better for you guys. So, I I really need to throw a huge thank you out to them. They literally spent most of the day going back and forth with me on Messenger,、um, giving me critique and what I could do、uh, better to make this sound. Better for you folks, and I'm hoping that this is going to be the last podcast that is going to sound kind of echoey. I know the sound isn't that great with me just yet. I was hoping to take care of it before I got this podcast out, but unfortunately, the week before Christmas, if you're a mom, if you're you know you have a family, you know there are last minute glitches going all over the place. So even though my kids are. Let's see, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty-four. We laid out everything, and I immediately panicked and didn't think I had enough. So of course I ran. I've been doing this since my kids were little. I run, end up running out on Christmas Eve day every single year, and I hate myself for it every single year because it's crazy, it's nuts. And I always come home and I say to my husband Billy, I am not doing this again next year. And of course, without fail, I end up doing it every single year. So I had a lot going on this week. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm really hoping that by the next podcast, I'm definitely going to have、uh, better sound. I'm going to experiment with some music, and I'm really hoping I can bring you 
bring you bring out a, a better sounding podcast. Maybe not with so many. I know I do a lot of ums and a lot of ahs, so I'm hoping to get rid of those too. Um, they gave me a good tutorial on audacity, so I'm really hoping I can kind of trip my way through that. But you know, going forward, hopefully we're gonna have some better sounding uh, podcasts because I don't plan on quitting this anytime soon. So thank you for the people who hang in there and listen to it and kind of stumble through it with me because you know, as Tony and Jeremy pointed out at one point everyone was just starting out so we appreciate the people who have been there um, from the beginning as we transition into something hopefully even bigger and better i'm just hoping for better if bigger comes then i'm very happy to have it so without further ado let's talk about thomas more now i have to tell my listeners here this was a very difficult um one for me to do because I'm not a big lover of Thomas More. I'm very, um, I, I take issue with him and it's only from what I have studied about him, what I've learned about him. And I will say this, I'm, I'm a little remiss if I don't say it, that, you know, I don't, I don't like how, what his deal was when it came to signing the oath of succession. Um, and I'll get into that as we move forward. So before I jump too much into a Thomas rant, um, let me go over um, who he was and why I feel like he's an important part of the Tudor um, theater show that we all love so much. I will say the gentleman who played Thomas More in the Tudors, uh, Anthony Brophy, love him. Absolutely. He was also, this is an old movie. I'm going way back. The net with Sandra Bullock when she was first starting out, he was in that as well. So I remembered him and I was like, Oh my God, I love this guy. I thought he did a fantastic job. I really did. I thought he did great. Um, enough so that he pulled me in and I was like, well, if this guy really did what he did, I don't know how much I like him, but again, I'll get into that. So Thomas More was the Lord Chancellor to Henry VIII. Um, before that, Thomas More and Henry VIII basically grew up together, uh, schooled together. So they've known each other a very, very long time. So he was, Thomas More was born on February 7th, 1478. Uh, he was executed. I know, sorry if people didn't know he was executed, but bam, there you go. He was executed uh, July 6th, 1535 at the Tower of London. So we have a better under, understanding as to what um, terms he may have died under. I'm, I'm sure you're getting to that point. So his resting place is in a common grave. So it's not a uh, marked grave, I believe. It's a common grave, a grave at uh, St. Uh, Peter's uh, Chapel in the Tower of London, and his head is said to be buried in the Roper Vault at, uh, I believe it's uh, St. Dunstan's Church in Canterbury. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly, which I feel uh, that's such a shame. I really hope at some point they reunite his body with his head. I know that sounds weird, but 
I don't know. I, I really think the two should be together. But as we know, um, this royal family does not believe in, um, you know, getting into the graves and disturbing them. Uh, and we know that with the uh, two uh, children's skeletons that may have been found at the Tower of London, everyone believes it could be the princes in the tower, but this sitting queen does not want to do the DNA on them, which I just think is such, oh, that aggravates me. Because if you're a history lover, obviously we want the history of this, but good news her son charles has said that he's interested in maybe perhaps doing that but you know people say what you want to hear so i am hoping that when charles takes the throne maybe he will have a better um maybe he's curious too he's going to want to know that but i definitely digress here so um you need to listen i'm going back again to tony and jeremy remote takes check them out they're awesome you have to do it go listen to them. So back to Thomas More, because I don't think I threw that out there. And I definitely want them to get the recognition that they should get because they were a huge help to me. Okay, so right back. Back to Thomas More. Okay, so as I said, the head and the body are in two separate places, which is kind of unfortunate for Thomas More. Um, like again he was he grew up with henry and i believe uh the duke of suffolk charles brandon they were all pretty well known to each other at that point his education is at saint anthony school um then from 1491 more actually joined the household of john morton an archbishop of canterbury and he studied at the university of oxford so not a stupid man um, he studied Latin and logic before studying law in London. So a very, very smart man, um, had many, many interests, uh, definitely, definitely not an easygoing man to say the least. I think that he really went back and forth with law and with the church. And again, that, that can't be too surprising because of the involvement that God and the church had um, were so involved in people's every single day lives that uh, it's not surprising that he was so into both because I think in many ways uh, law and the church were really in bed with each other at that point because it could be brought into, you know, religious thoughts could be brought into trials and it was always first and foremost. So I'm not surprised that he was interested in both. Um, between 1499 and 1503, Moore actually stayed at the Carthusian Priory in London at Charterhouse, where he did consider joining the order. He also considered becoming a monk, but decided to devote himself to the law um, after he realized that a life of celibacy did not suit him, which, high five, Thomas More, doesn't suit me either. Um, More became a member of Parliament in 1504, an under-sheriff of the City of London in 1510, a master of requests in 1514, 
and one of the king's counselors in 1517, and then a privy counselor in 1518. So he definitely made his way up the chain of command. Later in his career, in 1521, Thomas More was actually knighted, and he was made an under-treasurer after providing himself by carrying, or proving himself, I'm sorry, by carrying out a diplomatic mission to Charles with Cardinal Wolseley. He rose um, at that point really up as the king's uh, personal secretary and advisor. He became Speaker of the House of Commons in 1523, and then the High Steward of the Universities of Oxford and Cambridge. And then he was appointed Chancellor the Duchy of Lancaster in 1525, and in 1529, Moore was made Lord Chancellor after the fall um, of Cardinal Wolseley. Um, Cardinal Wolseley was out, and Thomas Moore was in. And again, very good friend of Henry's. Also, uh, Wolseley was a very good friend of uh, Henry. As well, Henry was a very young king, so when he came into power, you know, he kind of took his friends with him and kind of rose through the ranks with them. Um, And Thomas More was one of those people. Obviously, he was a very godly man, but he also had huge respect for the law. His interests ran along with Henry as well. Henry and Thomas More were fascinated by the night sky and would often go up to the roof and stare at it and kind of conjecture as to what the stars meant and how the stars change. And I I just love that picture of them up on the roof of a castle looking up into the sky and wondering how that affects us. I mean, obviously there was... Astronomy was pretty big in that time, but it was for witches and to conjecture anything out of that. But we do know, obviously, now that, you know, that night sky has a lot to do with us and who we are and what we end up doing. So I just, I love that idea. And I just, I do love that Thomas More didn't seem to have just one interest. He didn't dedicate himself to one thing. He he really ran the gamut when it, when he, um, in looking in what he was interested in. So for that, I love. He he definitely seemed like a guy who just wanted to know everything he could, which I like. I, I'm the same way. Once If I show an interest in something, then I throw myself completely into it and I dedicate myself to it. It's, I th- it's not always a good thing because then I break myself over some things, but I, I, I have to give him uh, respect for that because I understand it. So... Here, Thomas More is now the Lord um, Chancellor, and he did end up getting married. He actually got married twice. So his first wife was Jane uh, Colt, and unfortunately, she died in 1511. And this is where More gets a little crazy for me. Uh, More immediately immediately married, and I cannot say immediately enough. I think it was like two weeks if I'm correct, he ended up marrying um, Alice Middleton, a widow with a ton of money. Uh, Moore ended up having four children by his first wife, 
uh, Margaret, nicknamed Meg. Um, and I'm not going to go into their spouses because then we'll be here all day. Uh, let's see. Elizabeth um, was his second. And do, do we have Celie Moore? And then John Moore the second. Um, and then Thomas Moore was actually raising Alice's daughter from Alice's first marriage. Um, and he went kind of against the convention and gave all his daughters top quality classical education. This is to say in most of the languages in history, math, reading, sciences. That was unheard of at the time. And usually it was the noble people who were able to afford that education for their kids. It was very unheard of to have that education, for, especially for their daughters. Because at that time, again, and I know I say it in every podcast, but it's very important to drive this point home. Daughters were seen as someone to advance their family. If they married well, that, that was good for the family. The men could rise. They would gain properties and whatnot. So Typically, the daughters were only given that a very basic, basic education, and that was usually in cooking, um, house accounts, cleaning, um, needlework, singing, perhaps playing an instrument, but that was pretty much it for them. So I, you know, kudos to Thomas More for educating his daughters. We're all for that. Always looking for it. Um, Thomas More did, in fact, almost become a monk. Um, and again, it did not suit him. He seemed, <coughs> excuse me, very dry throat today. He seemed to have been, um, obviously, he supported the Catholic Church. Um, he saw it as the true faith. And he actually, he, he even went further into this, into the old school practice. He wore a Haitian hair shirt, which was an extremely itchy, almost horse hair shirt that would cause irritation. If rubbed too hard, it could actually leave cuts. It was, it was a horrible, really messy thing to wear. And actually Catherine of Aragon, um, Henry's first wife wore one too. And it is said, although we don't have any proof of this, that he, he did practice, um, the wounding of himself as to show his um, true belief in Jesus and that Jesus did not just suffer and he was going to suffer for Jesus. Um, so he was very deep into this belief and this faith. Um, he saw, Like I said, he saw it as a true faith. Um, he campaigned against the Reformation, which is what Anne Boleyn and her family were pushing for, the Reformation of the uh, Catholic Church. Um, and he, he really campaigned against that and of hearsay, which means he really wanted people held accountable if they did not truly believe in the Catholic Church. And when I say held accountable, that meant burnt at the stake. Uh, because Catholics believed if you were burnt at the stake for hearsay or not believing in the Catholic Church, they were giving you a taste 
of the fires of hell that you, although you're suffering now while you're alive, you will suffer eternally down in hell with these very fires. Which I don't know if you guys see it this way, but saying this out loud is just, I, I could almost laugh because it's just, wow, I can't, I, it, it is... And I don't want to say, I don't want to um, be disrespectful to anyone who does, you know, believe hardcore. Everyone has their right. Just saying it out loud is just, wow, I can't believe people really believed in that, especially, obviously, to this degree. I mean, thankfully, we, we have the right to say what we, well, to some degree, we have the right to say what we want today and not be held to such a bar as these people. It's really mind-blowing um his actions against the reformation actually included helping cardinal wosley to prevent the importation of the lutheran books into england lutheran um was all for the reformation of the church and actually side note the reason why we have Christmas trees is because Luther was actually walking through the forest at night and the stars were shining upon pine trees. And he came up with the idea for uh, Christmas time to put this tree in his house and put candles on it. So that's where we get why we put lights and we, you know, put the candles out for Christmas that actually dates all the way back to Luther. So little side note. But anyways, Thomas More was totally against this guy. Did not like him all. So did Wolseley. This was what would be considered as um, heretic work. It was not allowed to be. And actually, it was the springboard for which Anne Boleyn and her family jumped upon. And even though Lutheran's work, people were fighting against, and even Henry saw it as heresy, Anne Boleyn was actually able to convince Henry to take a look at that book. And going forward, Henry kind of flip-flopped back and forth. He never really struck me from what I've studied as to whether he believed in this reformation or was he the diehard Catholic that he was. He kind of went back and forth. Um, but at this uh, point, he, uh, uh, Thomas More and Wolseley were working against this reformation. So in saying that, that did not make him a very good friend of Anne Boleyn. So what ended up happening with Thomas More is so we're moving forward. He he's this he's the chancellor to the king. He's he's on the Privy Council. He is there all the time. So when Henry decides that he no longer wants to be married to Catherine of Aragon and needs to go to the Pope to get a divorce, this wasn't wasn't really seen as a good thing. As a true Catholic, if you're true Catholic, then you know, even even in today's standards, uh, divorce is frowned upon in the Catholic Church. Um, to the point where if I were to find my way back to um, the church, I would not be able to receive um, communion because... I am divorced and I did not ask the church for a, dis a dispension or to give me, um, to annul the first marriage. So that's, the Catholic Church still holds a very big um, stance when it comes to 
divorced uh, people, and that's everyone included. Um, if I did want to get a divorce, I was going to have to pay a very huge amount of money. And in in my thinking, it was if I asked for that first marriage to be annulled, then I was saying my two children didn't exist, and they did exist, and they still do exist. So, but that's kind of just my take sideways. On that, so Thomas More was very against、um, Henry divorcing Catherine, and when a letter was put together for Henry to send to the Pope as to why he needed this divorce and why it should, you know, the Pope should give him this, and、uh, Thomas More refused to sign it. So now we are seeing. The first signs of dissent from from Thomas More. Thomas More was always held very highly by Henry VIII, but now his star is starting to fade. Because if Henry doesn't get what Henry wants, then everyone is going to end up paying for it. I've I, I've got to throw again Thomas More a little respect for the fact that he he did stand up for what he believed in. But going further, I'm going to explain why、uh, I think it was all very self、um, self serving, and、uh, I'm going to end it right there. So Thomas More is going to be a two part、um, episode. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry, but Thomas More is pretty major character. I don't want to speed through. A podcast on Thomas More. If you don't know who he is, he's he's not very heard of. Um, e- even people who have not, you know, who know who Henry the, who know the basic about the Tudors, you're not going to know who Thomas More is. So I really do want to make sure that I'm giving you his whole career and what ended up happening with him. So part two will be coming out on Monday because I'm going to record it immediately and try to get it to you immediately. So I'm going to have to end it on that. I hope everyone had great holidays. Thinking of all of you,、um, missing out on your family, as unfortunately we had to do. But if you are not sick and you have not known someone who's gotten this terrible、uh, disease, illness, then we need to count ourselves as lucky. So Thomas More, part two on Monday. Thanks everyone for listening, and I will see you soon.